fellowship. There's no doubt that that's a Bible word. There's no doubt that fellowship is a biblical injunction. There's no doubt that we are supposed to be in fellowship and we're supposed to have fellowship and we're supposed to fellowship those who are faithful in Christ. There's, there's no doubt about that. However, it seems in our modern day that this biblical word, this biblical command is often used in an unbiblical way. Churches build buildings for the specific purpose of housing meals and games and socialized gatherings, and they call it fellowship halls. Christians get together for lunch or games to play basketball or softball or even ultimate frisbee, and some of them call it fellowship. And yet the very interesting thing, as we look through the New Testament, not once are these kinds of things called fellowship in the Bible. Not once. Never. Now, I understand the etymology of this word fellowship. Our English word fellowship, according to the Oxford American Dictionary, comes from the Old English and the Old Norse, and what it literally meant, what it literally means, is this relationship whereby one lays down money to participate in a joint enterprise. That was a fellow, and that relationship is a fellowship. And the word and the words that are translated in the New Testament carry that concept of joint participation. So I do understand this, that as far as the English word itself and its etymology and what it means, that it is true that the word fellowship can apply to anything where more than one person participates with someone else. So it is true. If you and I are sitting down in a building together, there is a sense in which we have fellowship. We are jointly participating in that. There is a sense that if you and I go out to McDonald's together, that we are in fellowship. We are jointly participating in that meal. There is a sense that if you and I are playing basketball together, that we are jointly participating in that game. And so in that sense, that English word can apply to that. The problem is that the concept in the Bible is never related to those issues. And one of the things that we just can't do, we can't take all the meanings of a word and every time we see the word, think that it means all of them at the same time. It just doesn't. And so just because the English word can be applied to certain things doesn't mean that's what the Bible's talking about. We do need to be in fellowship. We do need to have fellowship. But we can't be satisfied with merely saying that anything that that word can apply to means we're accomplishing what God has asked. And so as we talk about being in fellowship, as we talk about having fellowship with one another, we need to take a look at what the New Testament says and what it means by those terms and whether or not we're actually accomplishing that. I'd like for us to look at how the words are used in the New Testament. There's six of the words, and, and I could tell them to you. In fact, I'll go ahead and tell them to you. I can't ever remember all of them. It's probably not going to mean much to you. It's going to be, it's, you know, it's Greek. But the six words that we find are koinonia, koinonos, koinonio, soon koinonio, koinonikos, and then one that's not in that family, metoke. I'm not going to make a distinction between all of them as we look at the passages. I just want us to look at passages where those words are used to find out what they mean. And, and what we're going to find out is that they all convey the idea of a joint participation, of doing things together, but never once does the Scripture use it to describe socializing. 
I'm going to divide up what we find in Scripture under four headings. There, there's some overlap, and I recognize that. I don't want to make it seem like God specifically and purposely said there's only four things it applies to and use it in those. I just, as I read the passages, I find four major headings that are connected, but help us kind of see how this word is used in the New Testament to make sure that we really are in fellowship and having fellowship and participating with one another the way God really wants us to, not just the way man has become satisfied with. Before we do that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we praise your name because you are awesome and powerful. You are our Lord. You are our God. And we want to do everything your way. Our desire is to glorify you, not just follow our own likings and dislikings. Help us, Father, to have our hearts open to what your word says and only that. Father, we pray that you will be with this congregation, that we will have proper fellowship, that each of us as individual members will will follow the command that you've given for the fellowship that we are to have with one another. Help us not to be governed by what the modern religious world says about these things. And help us not to be ashamed when we stand out as different on things like this. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for loving us. Through your Son's name we pray. Amen. The very first kind of heading that we see, and we're going to be running through a lot of scriptures, so just let me, I'm going to go ahead and put most of the scriptures on the screen for the sake of time and, and for the sake of continuity to help us out here. At the end, we're going to look at a few applications and we'll look up some scriptures, but, but as we do this, we're going to put all the scriptures on the screen. Secondly, I put an addendum to the outline today. If you pick up the outline on the table in the back, on the back page, I've actually listed every passage where these words are used for your own personal study. So you don't have to take my word for it. You can go take a look at them on your own. And I've got on there the passage and the word used in the English Standard Translation to translate uh, the words for fellowship. So hopefully that will help you in your own personal study as well. But I'd just like to share with you what I found as I studied it. One of the first things that I found about fellowship, whoops, I guess I already hit that one, sharing and similarities. In other words, if you had something where you were similar with somebody, uh, you you shared a characteristic or a quality, then the Bible talked about that as being in fellowship. For instance, in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 it says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. By the way, I'm sure you're figuring out that I'm going to have in yellow where the word for fellowship is translated. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood. We have a similar quality of being flesh and blood. And so Hebrews 2.14 says we are in fellowship in that. We are sharing that quality. There's some other passages that use this in a very spiritual way. For instance, 1 John 1, 3-7 says, That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Here's the idea that if we share in the quality of walking in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And if we are walking in the light, if we share in that quality, if we have that similarity, then not only that, but we have fellowship with the apostles and we have fellowship with the Father and the Son. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, if we say that we're similar, if we say that we're participating in the similarity, but we're walking in darkness, then we lie and don't practice the truth. So in other words, this kind of fellowship, this joint participation, this sharing in similarity is a very spiritual thing of walking in the light. If I'm walking in the light and you're walking in the light, then we share that quality and we are in fellowship with one another. We are in fellowship with everyone who walks in the light because we share that quality. 
We have in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14 where it says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. If I understand this verse properly, the idea is is that if we're in the Holy Spirit, that is, if we are following the lead of the Holy Spirit and the guide of the Holy Spirit, as we've learned in other lessons, following His Word that He has revealed, if we share in that quality, then we have that fellowship with one another and the Holy Spirit as we share that quality or that endeavor. Also recognize in Philemon 6, that, and this is an interesting one, Paul writing to Philemon said, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. The idea of Philemon sharing his faith with others, teaching that faith and telling that faith to other people, and then they also gain that same kind of faith. They have the same quality of faith, the same characteristic. They're in fellowship because they have that similar faith. So if we have the same faith as others, we say that we are in fellowship because we share that similarity. A second, uh, a second use of the word fellowship is that idea of working partners. And perhaps this one most, most goes along with the English word and its etymology, that idea of one who lays down money for a joint enterprise, who is a fellow. They have, they're in that relationship of laying down money for a joint enterprise. They've become partners in the strongest sense of the word. If, if Don, Adair, and I decided to go into business together and we, we shelled out money, we would be fellows and we would be in fellowship. In fact, the Bible uses the term in exactly that way in Luke chapter 5 and verse 10, and so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Here's the idea of these fishermen that have become partners with one another in their fishing endeavors. They laid down money to be a part of this joint enterprise. Now, here's the thing that we want to recognize. This is just using the word. See, we need to understand. This word for fellowship, the words I mentioned, they're not, they're not strictly spiritual words. Those words are used in secular ways. And so as we look at this, let's not assume that what the Bible is telling us is this is the kind of fellowship God is demanding. He's not demanding that we all be in business with one another. But what we do see here is what the word means. The Bible also uses this word in a spiritual sense, having much of the same meaning, but not talking about being in business together, but being partners in the work of the Lord together. For instance, in 2 Corinthians 8.23, Paul said of Titus, As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. He's my partner. We're working together. We are partners in this work of the Lord. Not that they've necessarily laid down money, as that English word says, but that idea of they've sacrificed together, they're working together, and they're, they're going in the same direction, they're a team, they're in fellowship, because they are partners together in this work. And then in Philemon 17, as Paul talks to Philemon, he said, So, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. He said, Philemon, if you think of me as a partner, if you think of us as workers that work together, that are in a joint enterprise, that are trying to accomplish the same goals and do the same work, then you need to receive him as you would receive me. So that's the idea. If we're in that type of partnership, we are in fellowship. In addition to sharing similarities and working partners, then there's the concept that just a joint participation 
in an activity. And I realize that this overlaps a little bit. Those others are, are obviously joint participation in one way or another. But this is specifically if there's some activity that we are jointly participating in, where we're working together, we are partners, or we are in fellowship. And this is what we see it used as most often throughout the New Testament. Just look at some passages. For instance, in Philippians. Philippians 1.5 and 4.15, Paul, talking about the relationship with the Philippians as they supported him materially in preaching the gospel, he said, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. The idea is that Paul was going out and preaching the gospel. Now, the Philippians were not partners in the same sense that Titus was. Titus was out there day in and day out in the trenches with him, partnering with him, doing that work. The Philippians weren't partnering in that same way, but Paul says, y'all were my partners in this. We were in fellowship in this because you are sending me material goods to take care of it. And so in this work of spreading the gospel, Paul said, the Philippians and Paul were in fellowship together. And so when we send funds off to help support a preacher in Africa or in Russia or or New York, or or anywhere, we are in fellowship with them. We are in partnership with them, jointly participating in the activity of spreading the gospel. We find some other passages that use it similarly. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16. This is the only verse in the entire New Testament that ever relates to the word fellowship to eating. And I know that that's what we commonly today think fellowship is. It's eating. This is the only place in the New Testament that ever relates fellowship to eating, and that is... The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? That's 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 16. When we jointly participate in the Lord's Supper, we are in fellowship. We are participating in that activity together, and by that, we are participating in the body and blood of the Lord, and we are representing, excuse me, representing our fellowship in Christ, our participation in Christ. You know, the reality is, we have a fellowship hall here at Franklin. And this is it. This is where we gather together to eat in fellowship together. As we gather together to participate in the Lord's Supper, having fellowship with one another. Jointly participating in that activity. Then we have in 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 7, Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, very interestingly, the word fellowship is used to point out that as we suffer, if we go through persecution, if someone calls us names, if someone harms us for our faith in Jesus Christ, it says that we are in fellowship with the apostles, with the Christ, with everyone who suffers for Christ. We are in fellowship there, jointly participating in the suffering. Here in Hebrews 10.33, it says it again. Sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated, being in fellowship with those who suffer. And then finally in 1 Peter 4.13, but rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, as you fellowship in Christ's sufferings. When we suffer for the sake of Christ, we are jointly participating in persecution. And the Bible says that that's a fellowship that we have, a participation in that activity. We have 1 Corinthians 10, 18-20, which points out that not every concept of fellowship or participation is a positive thing. Here it talks about a fellowship that we must not have. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 18-20, Consider the people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifices, participants in the altar. What do I imply then? 
that food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No. I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. Paul was concerned about the pagan idolaters who had become Christians. If they continued their trips to those idolaters' temples and they ate those sacrifices as they were offered to idols, that it would bring them back into fellowship with those demons. He says, just like Israel, when they ate of that altar in the Old Testament, they were in fellowship with the altar. And so you, who used to be pagans, you go back and you keep eating in those temples, you're going to end up in fellowship with that again. Sharing, partners. And then another negative that we see is the concept of sharing in sins. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 11 says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Don't take part in these. If we take part in them, we're having fellowship with them. We're participating in that activity. A couple more passages making the same point. First Timothy 5.22 Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. 2 John 11, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Remember, that's the idea that if some false teacher comes in and you greet him and welcome him to your home, he says, you're having fellowship with his wicked works. You're taking part in his wicked works and you're not supposed to do that. And then in Revelation chapter 18 and verse 4, it is talking about the Jezebel. It says, come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins. And I think actually within this context, it's, it's using that idea of being in fellowship in her sins to relay the idea that you will also be in fellowship in her punishment. If you take part in her sins, you're going to take part in what comes because of her sins. So here's that concept of fellowship, the idea of joint participation in these endeavors. But I want you to notice that every time in the Scriptures it talks about what we're supposed to be jointly participating in, as it talks about the fellowship and joint participation we're supposed to have, it's always on a spiritual level of the spiritual activity of serving the Lord and doing His will. That's the joint participation God is wanting from us when He commands us to have fellowship. And finally, the fourth way we see the word fellowship, and this was interesting to me. Uh, I've studied this before, and I've noticed the other things before, but this is one I guess I just hadn't really paid attention to. And yet, very specifically, the concept of fellowship is used several times to relate to the concept of helping those in need. That is, taking our blessings that God has given us and sharing them, or taking part or participating or being in fellowship with others who are in need by sharing it with them. In fact, notice a couple of passages that say this in Romans 15, 26. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution. See, we might not catch it because the word contribution there, we don't necessarily think that's fellowship, but that, that they might have a fellowship, a participation for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. Macedonia and Achaia were sending material goods to help the church at Jerusalem because they were going through a famine. And Paul says this was a fellowship that they were having with them. They were sharing the blessings God had given them with the others. Recognize in Galatians 6, 6, one who is taught the Word must share all good things with the one who teaches. This is the idea of providing that material support again for the one who is teaching. That's a, a sharing and that's a fellowship. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 18, talking about the wealthy, says they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. That idea to participate in the blessings. God has given us blessings, and we're supposed to then turn around and be in fellowship by helping others who are in need. Now, understand this. What this means is, if you see someone who's in need, and you bring them into your home and feed them, 
you are having a kind of biblical fellowship with them, but not because you're eating. You're having a fellowship with them because you're helping one who is in need. You're sharing the blessings that God has given you with them. Just in the same way, if you knew that somebody was destitute and you took them a bag of clothes, you'd be having that kind of fellowship with them. If you knew that someone was struggling with a medical bill and you, you dropped them a check anonymously or something, you'd be having fellowship with that. Uh, it, this, is, this is the idea. When, I, when Marina was in the hospital and some of you brought food to us, this is that kind of fellowship, helping someone in need. When somebody's died and, and we go and we carry the, the food to them and the things to help them, that's, that's the idea. Not because it's eating but because we're sharing the blessings God has given us to help others who are in need. This is the fellowship that the Scripture talks about. Well, I want us to make some applications from this. And by the way, you don't have to believe me on that. You can say, well, Edwin, I'm sure you've missed some things. Like I said earlier, on the back page of the outline, I've got a list of every place where these words are used in the New Testament. You can check it out for yourself. And if I'm wrong, just, just let me know. But I think what you'll find is in every case, this is exactly what you see. So there are a couple of applications that I think we need to make from this. Number one, we must take care what we call fellowship. As I said earlier, I understand that the English word fellowship, because of its meaning, can be used in in the situations that it's often used in. I mean, the fact is, when I'm driving in my car after we're done here, there is a sense in which Marita and I, because we are jointly participating in the ride in that car, that we could say we're having fellowship. I understand that. But what I'm concerned about is that by using that word as loosely as we possibly can, we tarnish our idea of what the Bible says about fellowship. Let me use another word to illustrate how this would work. The word baptism. That word was originally not a spiritual word. We all know what that word means literally. What's it mean? Immersion. And so the reality is when I was a kid and I was playing in a swimming pool and I grabbed my friend and pushed his head under the water, I baptized him. Because I immersed him. And that word could accurately be used because all that word means is immersion. When my kids are taking their bath and they say, Dad, come look, I can stick my head underwater. I could call you and say, hey, Ryan was baptized tonight. And I would be technically correct about using that word there. But were either of those instances biblical baptism? No, of course not. And if I start using that word as loosely as it can possibly use because of the technical definition, sooner or later we're going to start misunderstanding what baptism in the Bible really is, aren't we? And that's what's happened with fellowship. Because we can technically use that word because of its strict definition in a lot of scenarios, and so people have been using it, their idea of what the Bible expects as fellowship has become tarnished. And so they think that because we're eating a meal together, we're doing what the Bible says about fellowship. And that's just not true. Fellowship in the New Testament is the joint participation, the sharing, the partnering in the spiritual work of serving the Lord. Really, fellowship in the New Testament. You know know the sermons that we've heard about the work of the local church? Evangelism, edification, relieving needy saints? Fellowship in the New Testament is just being a part of doing that with other people. And that's it. And so we need to take care how we use that word or we're going to tarnish our understanding 
of fellowship. And I'm sure that's going to happen because, brethren, I've seen it happen among churches. I'm even seeing it happen among what we would call conservative sound churches where that idea of fellowship is being broadened and broadened and broadened just because the English word can be used that way. So we need to take care how we use the word. The second thing we need to do, we should spend time together socially, but that is not New Testament fellowship. We should spend time together in a social way. We should socialize with one another, but not because the Bible commands fellowship. But rather because we see that's what the New Testament Christians did. And we don't have to make up a new word to make it seem like it's something biblical. Look in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse... That will begin. Let's just go ahead and begin at verse 46. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes... They received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What did these early Christians, what did they do? They got together for fellowship in the temple every day. And they fellowshiped one another, jointly participating in the spiritual activity of serving the Lord. But they also socialized with one another, going home and, and breaking bread from house to house and spending time with each other. Yes, we need to do that. But not because the Bible says fellowship. Because that's not what the Bible mentions as fellowship. And so, and I must admit, part of the reason I'm doing this is because today we're having this wonderful holiday dinner that individual members of the congregation have put together. And I know that whoever's going to get called on the prayer, you're going to be in big trouble because it's going to be ingrained in your mind to say, Dear Lord, thank you for the time that we get together for fellowship. But that's not what the Bible's talking about. We should do that. It's a great thing that individual members have decided to help us get together. But that's not the church's job. And that's not the fellowship that the New Testament says we're supposed to do. So please, if you come to that lunch, and I hope that you do because Christians should spend time together, don't go home thinking, well, I, I, I punched the biblical card for fellowship. Because that wasn't what the Bible talked about as fellowship. All right? And this is where a lot of churches make their mistakes. Because they equate that eating together as fellowship and that socializing as fellowship, and they see the biblical command of fellowship, they then turn around and think that the church's job is to make sure we socialize. And so they set up socializing dinners, and they set up socializing buildings, and they put all those things together, well, because it's fellowship. No, that's not what the Bible talks about. Socializing is an individual responsibility, not a local church responsibility. And we need to recognize that. Because socializing is not New Testament fellowship. Thirdly, we must work together. That's one of the things that really caught my eye as I took a look at this idea of participation. Partners. Did you notice the time when Paul connected the partner and fellow worker? And I recognize that because we come on Sundays and we, we sit down in the same building and we do the same things here, we can talk about the fellowship that we have there. But the fellowship in the New Testament is far more than that. It's the idea of us actually being partners, of us actually working together. The Bible doesn't expect there to be any silent partners in the local church. The Bible doesn't expect there to be any people that just come in and put their money in the plate and now I sit here and that's it. The Bible expects working partners people who are participating in the work. Now, I understand that we all have different responsibilities. We all have different abilities and therefore different responsibilities. 
And so some folks are going to be more public and others more private. But, and I understand that. But the idea is we all, if we're going to be in fellowship as a local congregation, need to be able to say, here's how I am participating. Here is how I am partnering. Here is the work that I am doing jointly participating with the members of this congregation. This is what I'm doing. Because that's what the concept of fellowship really is in the New Testament. Working together for the Lord. And finally, we need to help those who are in need. We need to relieve those who are in need. That, that concept of fellowship. You take a look at Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, and verse 42, it says about those early Christians, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Now, I know a lot of folks like to see, oh, there's the fellowship there. That's them eating and breaking bread from house to house. Well, now wait a minute. You take a look at everything we've read about fellowship in the rest of the New Testament, and then you keep reading in the book of Acts chapter 2, which thing down there do you think is really fellowship? We'll keep reading. All came upon every soul, in verse 43, many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added their number day by day, those who were being saved. Now, considering all the verses we've read about fellowship, what thing in that passage was fellowship? Was it the breaking bread from house to house? Well, only to the degree if it was, listen, you're from out of town and I know you don't have any money, come over and I'm going to feed you. But really the fellowship in this passage was actually all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That's the fellowship. They were helping their brethren who were in need. This is... One concept of fellowship in the New Testament that, that I know I've overlooked. I don't know about you, but this is a fellowship. The idea of helping those who are in need. Now, I, I'm not going to preach the whole sermon about the, the different responsibilities of the church and the individual, but, but I trust that you are aware, and if you're not, we can talk about this separately, that in the New Testament, the church's concept of fellowship with those who are in need, as far as local church is concerned, all we ever see in the New Testament was that was something the local church did for folks who were Christians. We never see the local church becoming a welfare state trying to help any and everybody who was in any kind of financial need. We just don't see that because that's not the church's job. But we do know that individual Christians, for instance, according to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. As individual Christians, we do have responsibility to help others. And again, the passage in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 18, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. If God has blessed us, we are to share with others. And as individuals, we don't necessarily have to make that distinction between those who are brothers and those who are not. Though the Bible does say, especially those who are children of God. We recognize that that's a fellowship that the Bible talked about, and, and we need to be involved in that. We need to be helping those who are in need, not hoarding our blessings to ourselves, but sharing those blessings with others who are in need so that we can be God's blessing to others. This is what God has demonstrated regarding fellowship. I, I've been, I'll just share with you, I, I've been preaching lessons like this now for 12 years, and I realize I, had, I don't think I've preached on this very specifically since I've been here. I thought I need to do that. But it never fails. Every time I preach on this, sometime during the week to come or the month to come, I end up going over to someone's house, sometimes the very day that I preach it, 
And we'll be sitting there, and we'll be at somebody's house, and, and they'll pray, you know, Dear God, thank you for letting us be here together and enjoy Christian fellowship. And I just think, oh man, God, wow. Do they listen to the sermon at all? Uh, you know, the, the reality is, I, I know that's ingrained, and it's going to be tough. And I feel sorry for whoever's going to get called on the prayer at our little dinner in a minute. But uh, uh, I, I hope that I can encourage you to think about this. And this, this is not us trying to be different. This is not us trying to be nitpicky. This is us trying to do things God's way and make sure we're following God's commands, not our own. Make sure we're following God's pattern, not our own. And just because something is really liked among the religious world doesn't mean it's right. And we've got to do things God's way. And so if we're going to be in fellowship, we've got to be in fellowship God's way. No, you're not going to go to hell if you call a meal fellowship. But just understand, that's not the biblical fellowship that God's commanded of us. We just have to understand that. Don't let the modern religious world's idea tarnish your understanding of the Bible.